If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. This boss man, Brewster, and I just jumped off the porch with Dirty Glove Bastard. All right, so we got boss man Brewster off the porch with us today. What's the good, baby? How you feeling, bro? I'm alive and free, so I'm blessed and winning. There you go, man. Yeah, and I appreciate you coming by, man. You've been going viral on the gram uh, these last couple weeks, man. Oh, yeah, man. You know everybody just starting to see what we already been putting down. I feel that, man. What else have you been working on here in Atlanta during this trip, man? Oh, man. Oh. Uh... I got to give a big shout out to Street Executives, man. I just went through there. They showed me mad love. Pee Wee Longway been showing love. Waka Flocka. So, you know, it's all love out here in the A. I'm glad I was able to come and, uh, you know, put the brand down, put the movement down, expose everybody to it. Okay. Yeah. Now that's what's up, man. All right. So talk to us about life in Dallas, man. What's going on out there? Oh, man. You know, the city, man, the DFW, man, we turned up. We out there trying to figure out how to get rich like everybody else, you know? <laughs> but uh, nah, Dallas ain't no different than any other neighborhood, man. You know, the normal, the normal street shit going on. Same thing going on in Atlanta, going on in Dallas. Yeah, and you're from Oak Cliff, right? Born and raised, baby, out of Oak Cliff. Yeah, so talk to us about life in Oak, Oak Cliff, man, because it's got that reputation as being probably the hardest place in Dallas to come up, right? Oh yeah, you know the cliff, it's the real deal, Holyfield. You know, we come up in that culture where it's uh it's either get eight, you know what I'm saying? We been we was exposed to hustling as a little kids coming up. Then with the game banging and the robbing and it's very active out there in the cliff. So if you ain't really about that life, the cliff ain't where you need to be hanging out at. Yeah. What was your childhood like? What were you into growing up? Man, so my mama was a hustler. So seeing that my mama was a hustler and she was tied down into them streets. I was exposed to the street culture at a young age. I say 10, 11 years old. I was already exposed to it. So I was hitting licks when I was 12, 13 years old with my partners. Oh, wow. We renting out Dauphine rentals and getting 50 slabs, 100 slabs, cutting them up. I mean, I was doing all that as a kid. So I come up in it. I was exposed to it. That was all I knew at that time in my life. Yeah. Did you have much guidance out there? Man, you know what, now that I'm grown and I just really look back on it, you know, I was misled. A lot of the homies, you know, they knew I had the heart to do what they didn't have the heart to do. So, you know, they'll send me out there on them crash dummy missions. And me being the kid, wanting to be accepted, wanting to be down, I'm head first trying to prove how hard I am. But when it was all said and done, that shit led me to the penitentiary. Yeah. And you ended up doing 13 years? Calendar, day for day. I really did a little bit more than that, but they gave me like a year and some change on some back time. Okay. So what was your reaction when they handed down that sentence to you and you knew that you're gonna have to sit there for over a decade? 
Man, to be honest, I ain't know I was going to sit there that long. You know, when you sitting in the county and you first get that time in your mind, hey, man, uh, they gave me 10, I'm finna do five, make that first parole. And, you know, that be your plans, but when you get down there and get, get the move and get caught in the mix, it ain't going to necessarily go like that. Yeah. So when they received, when I received the time, I was more or less like, damn, I'm finna go to the pen, you know what I'm saying? So I was ready. I ain't even care. You know, I was a kid, so I'm living like that. I'm like, man, let's do it. Let's go. How old were you at the time? I was 17. Oh, wow. So what was that experience like? You're probably one of the youngest ones in there then, huh? Yeah, now, nah, you know, man, uh, down there in TDC, back home, man, it's gangs of youngsters out there with gangs of time. Hmm. 17, 18, they giving them 50 years, 60 years, life sentences. So, you know, it's a farm full of us. So when you go in there, you know, your main thing is to make sure they know, you know, I'm a man. You know, that's kind of drilled in, in your head from watching the movies, from hearing your partners who done been in trouble, and then you on the chain bus finna go down. So you like, hey man, I know I gotta go down here and rep. So my mindset was more like, you know, when I get in here, all I know is the rep. Yeah. How'd you, did you, were you able to remain positive while you were doing your time? Oh, hell nah. <laughs> Now, my first five years, I was rocking and rolling, bro. You know, uh, in and out of trouble, fighting, just doing the normal things that, that a youngster do, fresh going through the door with no guidance. But as that time went to progressing, I was able to turn a different leaf. I read a book. Uh, it's by Alex Haley, the autobiography of Malcolm X. Man, single-handedly, that book, it changed everything for me to where now that I don't read this book, now I'm hungry, I want to keep reading it. Now I want to pull my pants up when I'm walking. And now I want to, you know, have my, my head up and my chest out. You know, it was something about that book that gave me a sense of pride to where it was, I was ready to get my stuff together. Okay. So did you have a good support system on the outside? Hell nah. <laughs> so uh, I was one of those guys. So the day I left the county, Lou Steri, they let you make a phone call, that one last phone call before you catch the bluebird to go to prison. So I got to talk to my mama. And you know, when you a kid and you 17 and you finna get ready to go off to prison like this, you thinking your mom gonna tell you, baby, I love you. It's gonna be okay. We gonna be here for you. Man, my mama wasn't on none of that. I'm telling her, mama, I don't really wanna go down here. And, Man, mama, I gotta go to prison. And she was listening and she was like, so check this out. When you get down there, Make sure they know you from Oak Cliff. Make sure they know you from Woodtown and you repping the hood. You need to, uh, I'm finna send you a little money. This money is not for you to go and ball. You need to get all your appliances and everything you're gonna need because we don't have no family that's gonna be sending you no money, that's gonna be writing you. This is my mama talking like this, so I'm kinda like, man, she must have heard I just said I'm finna go to prison. She ain't said nothing about I love you, you know? And the last thing she ever said to me that I'd never forget was, if you don't come back home, a man don't even come back here. So when I was in prison, you know, I had that so far stuck on my mind that, you know, I knew when I got in there, I wasn't going to be getting visits and I wasn't going to be getting letters and being able to go to commissary. My mama had already told me. But once I got in there, man, one of the big homies, Lil Taco, he put me up under his wing and, man, he went to showing me the game to the point to where I don't need nobody to write me. I don't need nobody to send me no money. I don't need you to come visit me. I got it. I done built a way out of no way down there. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about some of those. I'm sure you made some lifelong friendships uh, while being in there too, right? Oh, yeah, man. You know, I stay connected to the rec yards. Uh, when I was in prison, 
I got so many partners down there who got life sentences, you know what I'm saying? And I used to be able to really sit down and chop game with them. And one time, man, I was talking to one of my partners on the rec yard. He got life. And uh, he was just like, man, bro, that was some bullshit I did, man. I was like, what you mean? He was like, man, it wasn't even worth it, bro. He was like, what I done, man, I'd give anything to go back. You know what I'm saying? So I always, that stuck with me to the point to where I knew when I got home, I wasn't going to let a, a, a 30 second decision cost me 40 or 50 years. No, that's real right there. So what was the first thing you did when you came home? Finally free after 13 years. Man, it's going to sound funny to you because uh, most people when have said this. So uh, my gal and my sister, the ones who came and picked me up. So when they came and picked me up, gave me a hug, all that old good stuff, we on the freeway. So I was like, uh, say, what's up on that job? They was like, huh? I was like, yeah, man, y'all told me that y'all were going to be able to make sure I had a job, so what's up with that? My girl was like, man, calm down. You, you ain't got home yet. I said, yeah, but we need to make sure that that job understood. She was like, damn, you know, my girl had told me already, you know, I got the money to, to cover all the bills for the first six months. You can just sit down and chill. I was like, chill? I was like, man, I just was chilling for 13 years. I was like, nah, I ain't doing no chilling. I'm going to go and go to work. So the first day home from prison, the very first thing, only thing that I was concerned with was getting on my feet. So getting a job was top priority. You know, later on, you know, I went and had a few drinks, went out to eat and did all that. But my number one top priority, the only thing I was focused on was getting me some money. Yeah. What was that first job you got? And that first job was at Coca-Cola. It was like a seasonal job. And they fired me after 90 days because of my background. <laughs> really? Yeah, they fired me. They was like, uh, sir, the season over with. You a convicted felon. You know, we can't hire you permanent. I was like, cool. I left there, then I got hired at a window company. I was making windows. I went from making like eight, nine dollars an hour to making seventeen dollars an hour. Okay. Yeah. Quickly, you know, the work ethic is through the roof with these guys in society. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba da ba ba ba. I to think his work is nothing to me. I just come from the jungle. So this is nothing, you know what I'm saying? But that's why I worked at the first two jobs. Okay. So how did you get into driving trucks? So, man, this is going to be another funny one for you, bro. Uh, I'm up there at Big T Bazaar. That's a landmark back home out there in Dallas. And uh, I got a partner. Man, he grilled out top and bottom, big chains, tattoos. I'm talking about you looking. He look like a big time hustler. So I pull up on him, I'm like, man, bro, what you got going on? He like, nothing, what you talking about? Bro, what you got going on out here, man? You getting you some money, ain't you? He was like, nah, bro, I don't do nothing but drive trucks. I said, drive trucks? He said, yeah, that's all I do. I said, what? He said, yeah, bro, I got a, a dedicated rap. I go from here to Oklahoma, to Oklahoma, from Oklahoma to Louisiana and back. He said, I make almost close to two bands. He said, man, and I'm on child support. I say, for real? He say, yeah. I say, all right. I left Big T Bazaar and went straight to the house, walked through my front door and told my girl, hey, man, let's figure out how I need to get my CDL license. So that was just something that I was just like, I'm finna shoot my shot, man. When I saw the money that was involved in it, I was like, man, I'm all in. What we need to do. <laughs> so what all is involved to get your CDL then? 
So to get your Class A CDL license, you're going to have to go to either a truck driving school or you either going to have to go to like your local DMV office. It's going to be trucks out there. And on the side of them trucks, it got rent me, test truck. These are individuals that you can walk up to them. Hey, man, I got six, seven hundred dollars. They're going to assist you in helping you getting your CDL license. That's if you don't want to go through the traditional truck driving school way. So you got multiple ways to go get your CDL license. That ain't even. And then people think the test is hard. It's nothing. <laughs> I was able to come home and, and it, it's nothing. Yeah. So how'd you find the first job after you got your CDL then? So I got a partner. That's from, he ain't really from my neighborhood, he from the other side, but uh, he knew that I had just got my CDL license. So because I didn't go through a tra traditional truck driving school, a lot of companies wouldn't hire me. I don't have no work experience. I don't have no work experience. And then I'm trying to stay local. So I'm studying getting denied, studying getting denied. So my partner, he, he got a CDL license, he work here. He pull up, he like, man, bro, I can get you in. He was like, but the only thing is you're going to have to be willing to leave. I was like, what you mean? He was like, you're going to be gone for two weeks, home a week. Gone two weeks, home a week. So I was like, damn, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, I just came home from the penitentiary, so I don't know. You know, I'm still enjoying society. So I told him, let me think on it. Man, you know, before I make any real big decisions, I got a round table. So I sat down. Talked to everybody at the round table, heard what everybody had to say, made my decision, man. I'm finna shoot my shot. Let's go. Okay. He got me in, and that's how I started. I done been to every state in America. So what's that experience like, being able to see the whole country after probably not seeing too much during those 13 years? Yeah, man, to be honest, before I, before I started driving trucks, I had never left Oak Cliff. Only time I left Oak Cliff was to go to prison. So when I came back home and I jumped into them trucks, once I got to actually getting in the road and getting to moving, my mind was blown. I, I went to going, I, I got to see some unbelievable stuff. Twin Towers, the uh, Empire State Building, the Statue of Liberty, the 4040 Club, uh, Michael, uh, Martin Luther King's house, uh, the spot out there in Memphis. So I was just getting to see so much with the touring and, and I was like, damn, they paying me a bag of money and I'm out here kicking it. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, just I tell any and everybody, man, that exposure is real. Yeah. So when and how did you start your own trucking company then? So I started my own trucking company, man. One of my partners, he drive. He had his own trucking trailer. So when I would come home for that week, you know, I go back to the hood, see a few of my partners go through different little spots. And he always at the barbershop where we were getting our haircut. Back then, I had a ball fade. Every time he see me, how many miles you went and drove for them folks? I be like, about four, five thousand miles. He was like, yeah, them could have been four, five thousand miles you drove for yourself. I'm like, damn, bro. I was like, man, I don't know if I want to try no 18 wheeler. He was like, nah, you can get you a dually and a 40 foot trailer, do some hot shots. I was like, now that right there kind of caught my interest. Because I saw that was something that I could maneuver on my own. I was still just getting used to the 18-wheeler. So, you know, I saw that, man, and shit. I went with the move. I shot my shot. <laughs> and now you only hire felons, is that right? So we are hiring felons at Brewster Logistics. Okay. If you're an individual that's getting out of prison, 
First of all, you don't even have to have a CDL for this part. Just on the strength that you getting out of prison, I'm going to bring you out there to my yard. I'm going to put you in my trucks, my trailers. I'm going to have you drive. We're going to go hit the freeway. I'm going to show you that you can do this. The reason I do that is because I know the importance of a person's confidence being built up after being in the cage for so long. So now, once I expose that to you and I show you it's something you, that can be done, I'm going to take you and go get you your CDL license. Look, come here. This is where you go right here. They're going to help you get your CDL license. Once you do that, man, come hide at me, man. If I got some trucks available, you hide. How many people do you employ right now? About eight. Okay. About eight. Yeah. Do you feel like felons are given a fair chance uh, when, they're, when they're released to find good work like that that pays well? Nah, they ain't gonna, you ain't got no, it's not no fair action at all because you're going to be judged just based off of the fact that you have felons. So that, that alone, you may actually be a hard worker. You may actually be a good, good guy. You know what I'm saying? You done really changed your life. You done did your time. You paid for your crime. You ready to move forward. But that's something that's going to forever haunt you and taunt you because you got a felon. So that's where I come in at, like, I don't even care if you got a feeling. I need to know, can you get this load from point A to point B safely without no problems? If you can do that, you hide. Yeah. Do you know of any other trucking company that offers that, where they, they hire felons like that? Um, so I've had a few people reaching out to me, other companies telling me they do this and they do that. So I, I've heard about it, but I've yet to actually see it. To where it ain't no discrimination, it ain't no, you know what I'm saying? Nothing like that. Yeah. So as far as prison reform, what do you think needs to be done here? As far as prison reform, first of all, the system, it needs to be updated. The educational department inside the system is so far behind that when individuals is coming home from prison, they lost in the sauce. They don't know what no email is. They don't know how to uh, operate a computer. The education system is behind, so that's step one. And then as far as the re-entry pro process, whether you like it or not, they're coming home from prison. So do we want them to come home reformed and re rehabilitated, or do we want them to come home a monster? So as they coming into society, they need people like me, Brewster Logistics, my trucking company, that'll give them a real shot at making some real money, not out there making $9, $10 an hour. Not saying nothing's wrong with that because that's a starting point and you're going to have to have that starting point. But if they able to get their CDL license and they qualify, they need action at the same opportunities as everybody else. Yeah. How can we get this change? What do people need to do to start seeing some changes here then? As far as prison reform? Yeah. So I think everybody needs to be trying to get me $10, 15000000 million so I can open up Brewster Trucking 101. And then I can go buy about 100 trucks and then we're going to get Walmart or FedEx or, or UPS to give us a big contract, give us some big freight. And that's going to keep all 100 of these trucks right here moving. And that's going to keep 100 felons employed and that's going to keep 100 families in our community together. This is how we're going to go about rebuilding the community and getting it together. So I think when it comes to prison reform, they need to see guys like me that's really of their cloth that really understand the struggle and, and, and they need to see like, man, if bro can shake back and make it happen, this is what we need to be doing. Yeah, I feel that. So how did you end up going viral on Instagram here recently? Man, that's uh, one of those situations. So I went through the holy month of Ramadan. 
So after the holy month of Ramadan, it's an egg. Well, the egg happened to fall during the week, so me and the brothers, we weren't able to get together. Everybody was working or whatever. So that Saturday, we all decided to come together to, you know, to have a big feast. So we was in there, we all came together, had a big feast. So in the process of, of, of us being in here, I told all of the brothers that was in here, man, I want y'all to know we alive and free. You know what I'm saying? We productive. We out here being successful. They said we'd be dead or back in prison within the three years. That's what the recidivism rate is. It says that within the first two to three years, 76% of all inmates will return back to prison. So I was like, as a matter of fact, I'm finna make a video with y'all. Cause this is what I do. I do prison reform. I like to put this in their face. So I made a video of each one of my partners that was there. How much time you do? How much you do? How much you do? And I uploaded it, man, and, and it just, it went viral. Did you expect it to go viral like that? Nah, I got a million videos like that on my page. <laughs> I didn't know that was going to happen. It just, you know, it caught fire and did what it did. Yeah. Who are some of the celebrities that have reached out to you since then? Or even just commented on the video? Oh, man, your Beyonce mom commented. Uh, man, it's real big shout out to Big U. You know, homie just straight up reposted me and... I ain't asked him to do that or none. That was him just doing that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, my boy Lil Kiki, uh, my boy Hot Boy Turk, my boy uh, Chris Bacon. You know, it's been a lot of uh, prominent individuals who've reached out to me to show their support or whatnot for the book. So, yeah, big ups to the, uh, the hip-hop community. Yeah. How motivating is that for you then? Would they get that type of support from these people? Ah, man, that just let me know that I'm on to something. Let me know I'm on the right page and to stay doing what I'm doing. Because, you know, a lot of people don't know in the process of becoming successful and running multiple trucks and trying to be this and that. Man, you know, it's a lot of responsibility to come with that. A lot of headaches come with that. So, you know, when I get blessed to, you know, hear people shout me out or show me that love, it just let me know, man. Hey, stay down, man. It's going to happen. Yeah. All right, let's talk about these books, man. Which one did you write first? This one right here. So this book right here, From the Wreck Yard to the Streets, this is a book that's going to illustrate and give people examples as far as what they're dealing with going from prison to society because that's an adjustment phase. Anybody that's been incarcerated 5, 10, 15, 20 years, when they walk back into society, it's an adjustment period from the standpoint that, uh, you know, if we get into it or something, we got a problem, bro, we're going to just fight and whoever win the fight, that's how that goes. Versus out here in society, man, you'll be in jail or dead moving like that. You got to know how to switch. You got to know how to use your skill set from prison. You have to be able to transfer that to society in a productive way. So that's all this first book consists of. Okay. And what about the second one that you wrote there? So this one right here, From the Streets to the Suites, this is the elevation. This is the growth. This is where everybody get the opportunity to see what took what it took for me to become a successful entrepreneur, to become a father, to become a, a husband, to become a big business owner, this entrepreneur guy. The, this book here is going to outline the different, the different trials and tribulations and journeys and things that I had to experience and endure. Yeah. Did you ever imagine this when you came home? Like, I'm, be, I'm an author of two books, got my own company. Going viral, did you ever imagine that, or is this how you planned it? Now, to be honest, so what I'm experiencing right now is, is this, the sweets. So my second book is From the Streets to the Sweets. All this right here is the sweets for me. 
I'm just getting to enjoy life on a high level. That, that's what all this is for me. I never planned any of this. My only plan was to create a dream and go out of it. You know what I'm saying? So I woke up one day and was like, man, babe, I want to go to Miami. And I want, I want a room on the beach where when we wake up, I want to see the ocean. And, I, you know, to a lot of people, they like, that ain't nothing bad to me. That's everything. I sat in a cell for years fantasizing to do this. So to be able to come right here and do this and go and do other, you know, amazing things, I'm like, damn, that's live. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. People don't see it like that, but that's how, that's how we rock, and that's what the book consists of. I feel that. What's next, Bruce? What else you got coming up, man? So um, I'm getting ready to do the Trucking Millionaires Tour. And that tour gonna be, it's gonna be phenomenal because we're gonna be exposing real information. Uh, I'm bringing a lot of heavyweights with me. Uh, Kiara, the trucking guru. Uh, Coach Shelton, the box truck. Uh, Dre, my boy Marcus. Then Mr. D.O.T. Eric. So that trucking millionaire is gonna be big. And then uh, of course, you know, we're gonna be promoting the book from the streets to the suites. So uh, that's what we're working on. And I also have a documentary that's in the works that'll be coming out hopefully at the end of the year. Okay. That'd be big right there. Oh yeah, we're gonna try to. Yeah. Any last words, any shout outs you'd like to give, Bruce? Man, you know, I'm always gonna give a shout out to the wreck yards and to the streets, man. Just make sure everybody know, man, we can go from the streets to the suites. Presentamos la nueva y exclusiva pintura para interiores SpecRite de HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams para pros solamente en Lowe's. Esta pintura cuenta con una aplicación fácil y secado rápido. Además, brinda un excelente encubrimiento, cobertura y retoques excepcionales para todos tus trabajos. Compra hoy la pintura SpecRite de HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams en tiendas o en línea. Lowe's sabe de pinturas. Lowe's sabe de pros. Selección varía por lugar, detalles en tiendas o Lowe's.com. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.